In a world filled with movies, it can be hard to choose just one to watch. What do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? I asked first. Come on. What do you want to watch? No. What do you want to watch? What do you want to watch, Patrick? What do you Where even narrowing watch? down a genre can be a struggle. How about we watch a drama? Too many emotions. Okay, then how about we watch an action film? Too many explosions. I know, I know. Let's watch a horror movie. Oh, uh, Dad, just do an interview already. Welcome, everybody, to the Diecast Movie Podcast, where this episode we have a special interview brought to you by my dad. Take it away, Dad. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. This is Steven. I'm going to be interviewing an up-and-coming actress, Madeline Wiley, who's been in a lot of Joshua Kennedy's films. I know a lot of our listeners love Josh. Um, how are you doing today, Madeline? Doing pretty good. It's cold here. I'm in New York. <laughs> I'm in Maryland, so I'm just a little bit south of you, but I think we're pretty much roughly in the same type of situation. Yep, snowed in. <laughs> Which is, I, I love the winter, so I don't mind the snow. And and really, with what's been going on this past year, is there such a thing as being snowed in? I mean, it's... it's... That's true. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. my my youngest son is attending high school virtually and so of course there's no virtual snow days so it's like eh, school <laughs> i know that's so hard i feel like snow days are no more a thing of the past unfortunately well hopefully they come back you know i'd hate to have I'd, you gotta have that fun when the snow is there to get out there make the snow angels build snow mm-hmm. structures and all that fun stuff and just, and just come in and have some nice hot cocoa when you're done. I mean, that that's, yeah. we all need those days. Absolutely. Yeah. So did you always live in New York or where were you before New York? Did, is that always been your home state? Um, uh, no, um, I'm originally from Massachusetts. Um, well, actually I, uh, my father was in the air force. So I moved a little bit when I was very young. I was, um, I'm originally, I was born in Texas originally. Um, and then I moved to New Mexico and then eventually Massachusetts where I pretty much grew up my whole life. Um, I've been in New York for nine years now. Yep. So Massachusetts, you know, snow. Yes. <laughs> yep. So when, yeah. when you were young, what were some of your favorite memories of, of like that perfect snow day when you got to what would you get to do? What would you What would you do if you and your your friends? Your I don't know if you have any siblings. Yeah, I'm. When I was uh, really when I was really young, young, um, we would love to build like snow forts and stuff. Um, I lived over by where there was a cul-de-sac, so there had there was like this space, like greenery space, right in the center. So we would turn that whole thing into a snow fort, um, and then. When I was, I, I was sledding up until I was 17, 18, up until <laughs> I was a senior in high school. And my friends and I, we would uh, sneak onto the golf course um, and we would sled there. You weren't supposed to, but it was the best place to sled. There were so many hills and you'd get caught in sand traps and it was, it was pretty fun. <laughs> I'm, yeah. just, I'm just picturing your sled, your snow, and you get stuck in a sand trap. It's like, oh, just like my golf game. I'm stuck in a sand trap. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and did you ever have the, um, like the golf people come out and start chasing you? You dang kids get off our lawn. <laughs> we never did. And I think, yeah, very, very funny, but they put up signs. Like I think they knew that we were there. Cause, Cause like every time we'd go back, there'd be like explicit signs, like no sledding, but like nobody was working at the golf course. Nobody was golfing, you know? So we were like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, I guess they, I guess they put the signage up just in case you actually hurt yourself. They could say, "Well, we have signs everywhere telling them not to be right. here." So for for liability right. issues, but you know, exactly. Yeah, when you're when you're a child and you got a chance to go sledding, you got to go for it, you know, and and have that that that, that fun experience. Of all the illegal things we could have done at 17, 18, I think sneaking out on the golf course to go sledding is like probably the least of like any parents' worry. <laughs> I, I could definitely agree with that. I mean, as, as a parent, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, 
I remember years ago when I was in college, we used to go on occasion midnight bowling. And mm-hmm. my mom, I would come home, you know, of course, midnight would go from midnight to two in the morning. The time I took people back, dropped them back off at the college and came home, it would be like three in the morning. And my mom would go to me the next day going, well, why did you come home so late? Well, I went midnight bowling. It goes midnight to two, took them back to Towson University, came back home. And she goes, well, why can't you go bowling early? I said, then it wouldn't be called midnight bowling, you know, and, uh, Right. But I did tell her, I, like, <laughs> I said, I could be drinking, doing all this other stuff. I'm going bowling for crying out loud. Really? This is your, right. this is your worry? And she thought about it because I had two older brothers who partook in the, um, the partying. I never partied. And, um, and, and mm-hmm. she was finally like, ah, and she stopped complaining about the midnight bowling. I mean, it was just. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, it was, I just thought it was funny. Um, speaking of when you're mm-hmm. growing up, in um, all these different places, but mostly Massachusetts. Was there any particular mm-hmm. film or films that you gravitated to as a youngster that you were just like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause as a child, you know, I was very much into the Disney movies. Um, but I, I guess like uh, two movies that really captivated me um, when I was a teenager were, um, Sophie's Choice and Dead Man Walking. And I think that both of those movies is that I just really understood the power that actors have in storytelling um, because those two movies are so incredible. The the acting in both of them are phenomenal. Um, And those were movies that I, for weeks, was thinking about and thinking about these stories and thinking about these characters and these people. And um, it, it really explained to me how much how much empathy that actors can pull from an audience and that really inspired me especially as a teenager and really hammered in um what i wanted to do for the rest of my life yeah let's say with sophie's choice we're talking about one of the top 10 actors ever in meryl streep i mean you know it's you can argue where she'd be on the list which is fine you know i just i just put people in my top 10 i never try to figure out who's number one because it's just a fight i'll never win against my own self so i but when you, but it's just, she's just amazing with just about anything yeah. that she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Kevin Klein too, equally, he's, he's fantastic in that movie as well. Um, it just, it's, yeah, the whole thing is pretty remarkable. I know. I remember when I was younger and um, they would have the movie of the week and um, on, on the weekend and if it was a, if it was bad weather outside, you'd be watching it. And I would see movies like mm-hmm. Inherit the Wind or 12 Angry Men or On the Beach. And uh, I'd be watching those type of things. And, and it's just when you're hitting it at that young age, it just it has such a big message. And then when you get older and you rewatch it, you're able to see it in a different light and get and get more of what they're trying to do. And it's, it's and, and the acting is just spectacular on all of them. And it's just I think those types of films last forever and 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 i know sometimes Mm -hmm. they try to remake them but sometimes it's just it's hard to get that lightning in a bottle again yeah Mm -hmm. so you saw these two movies and then you just uh, what what that planted the seed i guess but what led to you wanting to go into acting as a as a profession um i so i like a lot of actors. I started, um, doing theater when I was nine years old. Um, there was a, uh, a studio strictly for acting, for acting lessons, for, um, movement lessons, which it's very, it's super, super rare to find that. Um, I was very fortunate to have that. And I went to a summer camp that they had when I was nine years old. And, uh, we did, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and I played Dopey, and I was, I had this, like, it was an axe, it was like a, you know, just a wooden axe, and that was my prop. Well, I don't, I don't know, I didn't have a pocket, and I needed my hands on stage, so I stuck the axe in my pants. Well, it shifted and looked like I had a giant phallus. 
Um, and so I thought that I was hilarious. I thought my talent was like making the, the whole audience was roaring. My grandmother was like in the aisle, like losing it. My mom can't even keep the camcorder straight. Like everyone's losing it. And I just think it's cause I'm so talented and I'm just so great that this is it. And after that, I was like, I love that feeling. Like I'm going to write on that, like for the rest of my life. So it's funny because actually the day that I decided to be an actor is a bit of a lie, but um, yeah, it, it really kind of stems back from that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just picturing this and it's just, it's just kind of funny. You know, it's like, you're trying to imagine, you know, this, you said you were nine years old, you know, mm-hmm. so nine year old with, with like um, an axe or pickaxe or whatever it was. And uh <laughs> just ridiculous and the videotape is somewhere and I'm like oh yeah my parents they brought that out for um when I graduated from high school they brought that tape out they're like just remember this is where it all started <laughs> I th- I yeah guess, I guess they can use it as leverage one day this could end up on Facebook you know <laughs> I know <laughs> better not forget Mother's exactly. Day that's that's all I could tell you or you're, you'll be doomed <laughs> yep <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So, so, for, so, I don't know how to follow it up, but, but that's such a interesting start. That, I think that's one of the yeah. great, I think that's one of the great things about live theater is you never know as, as, as an audience member, you never know what you're going to be given from the, the, the actors and um, the actors can obviously are human. So there's going to be times where mm-hmm. things are going to happen. And I think part of it is just seeing the response of you guys performing when, when certain things go astray or skew and, mm-hmm. um, and how you handle yeah. it. And I think you're feeding off us reacting to what you're doing. And I think that's what's such an organic type thing when you're in a live theater situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot can happen and you just got to, and the other thing too, it's great is, um, we're, you know, learning more about the craft and not just playing dopey when I was nine years old, um, but really training. It's, it's helpful too to, um, understand that who you're on stage with is part of your team too. And that it, when things go wrong, you can always connect back to your scene partner, whoever you are there with, because y'all are in it, you know, you're all in it together. So yeah. Oh, I know. And I've, I've seen some performances where you can tell that they're, they're, they're trying to help them. And, and like I said, re- regardless of who the performer is and what level of experience they have in the end, we're all going to make a mistake sooner or later. No, nobody, we're not machines. And, and how right. the other people, the other people in the troop respond to that and help them along the lines is, is, is one of the, I think the joys of, of that, of course, which is totally different than, cinema which is regardless how many times you watch the movie it's the exact same performance over and over again and which has its which has its Mm -hmm. positives and also its negatives you can compare the two back and forth you can go obviously there's tons of books about the two um which one which Mm -hmm. one is better i just could look at i don't consider which one better than the other i consider one different than the other and you've done both so what what do you think um yeah, they're very different as an actor. Yeah, they're just different. Um, they're different, but a lot of like a lot of the prep and a lot of the acting work and crafting is the same. Um, it's just with film, you like you said, you do it over and over and over again. Um, so if you do have a scene that's like particularly difficult, um, you got to do it over and over. Uh, but that also, I think, comes in with the with your with your training because also too for for a show. Yeah, you, you might not be doing it over and over within, you know, this time that you have allotted for set, um, but you're doing it over and over in terms of like for three months and you're doing it, eight, you're doing eight shows a week. And um, so that repetition, um, you know, really kind of helps, you know, helps train you. Um, but yeah, I guess. And now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, they really aren't that different. Uh, in terms of prep um, for an actor. Uh, 
I think the biggest thing too is like just understanding, which is a huge, huge reason why actors need to know a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, especially with film, understanding how these cameras work, how the sound works, understanding where your focus needs to be, what kind of, you know, asking these questions about what kind of shot is this? Okay. You know, um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing uh, and the, the biggest difference for uh, film versus theater. Oh, cool. And a lot of people always wonder, like, what is the difference? To me, one of the, I think the big difference is in the two in theater. I think it, it has more of a reliance on this staying in the moment with your yeah. character where, where mm-hmm. cause the screen, once you've, once you've nailed that take and, and mm-hmm. the director's like, fine, we're going to go for it, whatever, you know, and uh, you can move on. But with theater, I mean, performance after performance, especially if you're, you don't have a big part. And you still got to stay in it, you know, so, so mm-hmm. it looks realistic. I think that'd probably be one of the, the, the key, the, the best things to learn. Otherwise people can realize, oh, they just look like they're standing there like a tree, you know, and then, oh no, <laughs> which you never want to be considered scenery. <laughs> right. Yep. There's always action going on. Always. Mm-hmm. So is that something yeah. that you've had trouble with or at all? Or is it something you've been able to do pretty well staying in the moment, staying within the character that, you know, the staying present. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. It, I mean, I went to, I've done many years of training um, to, to exactly achieve that, um, to stay in the moment and to stay with um, your scene partner and what's stay as truthful as possible to the character, to what's happening. Um, it's, it's hard, you know, it's, it's definitely a challenge and definitely takes a lot of practice uh, to really, to really master that. Um, and yeah, and to quickly access that too, to be able to, you know, you might have a horrible day and, you know, in your person, like the subway was, you know, was late or, you know, a car drove past and splashed a ton of water, you know, like whatever your day was, you got to let that go when you walk into the theater. Um, and I think it's also training yourself to separate your personal life with the work that you are there to do. Um, which I feel like a lot of people can even relate to just in any, any job, you know, any, when you go to work, you're going to work and you know, you got to leave whatever baggage you have at the door, go into your job and then, you know, you can pick it up on your way out. But yeah. And I I think Mm -hmm. what you said there goes back to something Marlon Brando said in many interviews back in the day where he said that everybody is an actor. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, have you ever seen those interviews or heard him talk about that where he's, he says like everybody, like when your boss comes to tell you, you got this and this, and you really don't want to do that, but yet, you know, you want that promotion or stay good with them. So you're acting and, yep. um, and that kind of thing. So that's, I think, so I think you're agreeing with Brando and, um, that everybody is an actor and, 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 and through life. Absolutely. Uh, and I, yeah, that's, that is one of my favorite quotes because I think, um, sometimes like us as the public, like we kind of separate actors from, you know, our everyday lives. And I, I love that quote because it, it really is, no, this is a job. Um, and this is a job that we do. And, you know, just like everybody else, we got to go to work. And like you said too, everybody has some talent in, you know, in acting or trying to get that promotion or the famous saying a fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Everybody's done that before. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's a really great way for all of us to relate to each other, you know? And I think one Mm -hmm. of the, one of the most furtive grounds for actors is childhood when everything is, I don't know if it's as much nowadays as it was when I was growing up and probably still when you were growing up, when everybody was having that chance to to make believe and you didn't have to have everything just handed to you. And I'm wondering how that's going to take effect in the future. And with that, that, with the make believe not being used as much utilized as much in in people's childhoods as it was when when you and I were younger. I mean, and have you noticed that difference? I don't know if you have any nieces or nephews that are young or whatever. It's interesting um, because I was absolutely afraid of that. And I work with a lot of children. Um, I taught for a long time. Um, I babysit and um, there's uh, there, uh, there's a family of uh, two kids that I've babysat for a very long time. 
and it was interesting just watching watching that and watching you know their make believe, especially in the world of iPads and um, all this technology and stuff that was really thrown on them like at such a young age just because of how society works, how their you know schools were operating, um, and I was always afraid that they were going to lose that um, you know imaginative power and you know their once for make believe. But it's interesting because it really feels like it just manifested in something different. It's something that manifested in something more digital. And to be honest with you, like a lot of kids I talk to know so much about film. They're, they're like, oh, was this done on a green screen? I'm like, I don't know what a green screen was until I was like 22. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, they know. And it's, it's interesting where their creativity is being narrowed. Um, so it is, you don't quite see the physical of, you know, running around the woods and, you know, playing what, you know, playing whatever, you know, we would always play like survivor in the woods and that kind of thing, you know, there's a lot of less of that. Um, but I do think it is, it is a really neat thing that's happening, um, with young creativity and, you know, the correlation with technology. And I guess it's like anything, things are constantly evolving and altering and changing. And, um, um, Mm -hmm. Maybe one day I feel like I'm a relic from the past. I'm an analog person in a digital world. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but until that day comes, I'm still here. <laughs> I even, I felt like that the other day. Um, I had one kid ask me, uh, picked up a VHS tape that was on the side of the street and was like, is this a brick? And I was like, you know, it pretty much is now. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I still have a VCR yeah. that works and I still got some videotapes because some of them, some movies have yet to make it to DVD and, and the only way you got them is on the good old videotape and uh, yeah, please exactly. be kind and rewind. I mean, there's certain phrases that yeah. they'll just never get. <laughs> right. I know. So funny. It, 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 I mean, but and also I think what's different nowadays, is everybody being able to think they can get the movies streaming at the, you know, everything's right there, which is a lot better than when it was when I was growing up, um, getting a hold of films. But then again, streaming services will get rid of films and then they're gone if yeah. you don't have that physical copy. So it's kind of a, we're in a catch 22 world where, oh, we don't need to get the physical media. We can get the digital. But if that streaming service right. stops supporting that digital, then you better have the physical medium in order to do it. You know, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, exactly. Now, you've done a lot of theater work. Um, I mean, you what you started, like you said, with Dopey. And I know yep. one of your latest ones, you were Lady Macbeth. Yes. So you talk about going from... Uh, a totally different spectrum, you know, <laughs> of characters. What was it like? What was it like playing Lady Macbeth in Macbeth? Because you're not in the theater, so we can say Macbeth. <laughs> That's very true. Um, that was such a great role, and I was so thankful to play that. Um, I studied Shakespeare in London. I'm a big Shakespeare nerd, um, and you know, especially for a lot of female actors, that is like. Lady Macbeth is the, that's the role you want to play. Um, so, and what, what I loved about it was the adaptation we did of it. It was only, um, it was only Macbeth and Lady Macbeth in their bedroom. Um, and that was the setup. So all the other characters, like we took on Macduff's characters, the witches, and it was all put, it was all adapted into this. I think it was a little over an hour. Like it was like a 90 minute run. Um, and it was great. It went straight through, no intermission. Um, so it was it was so much fun as an actor because it was just me and then my counter on stage. And it was just us doing Macbeth. It was so much fun. And of course, you know, it's a grisly, dramatic play. And at the end of it, we we're all covered in blood. But like as actors, like we would get off stage, we're like, oh my gosh, it's so much fun. <laughs> so, um, it was really, really great. And just, so thankful. Um, Matthew Bentley, he directed it and also wrote the adaptation. Um, and he's somebody that I met when I studied in London and just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Derek, he was my, he played Macbeth. He was my counter and he's also fantastic to work with. So it was just 
it was a really, really great experience. Yeah. It sounds like an interesting adaptation and um, uh, one of those things, I guess I'll, I'll never be able to see, you know, cause obviously it did its run, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But you, you've also done some stuff recently um, with the COVID going on, everything being, you know, in a more of a lockdown situation, you've been doing things virtually. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I actually started my own theater company um, with a, another really good friend of mine, Colby Herschel, uh, who also knows Josh pretty well and is a big uh, Gooey Films fan. Uh, and yeah, it was just one of those things where we were like, we're sitting ducks, we can't do anything. We both had an urge to want to create our own work. And so we thought, why not start a company? And so, um, you know, now is the perfect time to do it because we could get a lot of the paperwork and groundwork done so that once things open up, we can start, you know, start producing. So yeah, we've been doing a lot of virtual cabarets. Um, we have, we're going to be doing a live, um, a live show over the summer in Western Massachusetts. Um, so it's, it's kicked off and it's kept me busy. That's for sure. (laughs) And I think that's, that's one of the wonderful things I like about when life gives you lemons, you're making lemonade by doing this you know, and getting this going. And, and I think that's one of the things I always love about us as humans is that when there's hardships, we find a way to work through it and to come up with different things. Instead of just saying, Oh, there's a barrier in front of me. you you found a way to, let's say, well, there's a barrier there, but I can go to the left. I can go to the right. I can go under over. Let me find a different Avenue instead of just standing here looking at this barrier. And and, and, and that's, what I, that's what I love about people like yourself that are able to move forward and get things done for, for that love of, of, of the art, the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was very, um, yeah, it, it helped a lot because, of course, for a lot of artists, you know, we were pretty depressed for a while. And, you know, there, we lived in the society of, um, we live in the society of where theater always prevails. I mean, even in like the hardest of hardships and stuff and in places where people were, um, you know, where people are oppressed and in, over, over time, like in many different countries, like there's always evidence and there's these wonderful plays that are born out of it. And so I, you know, just had this idea of theater always prevails and then something like this happens and it can't, um, it just can't. And, you know, it was a big learning experience and a big hurdle to go over. And it was like, okay, no, now we have to stop and think about ways that theater can prevail. <laughs> and you know, it's got to totally switch gears. Yeah. And, and that's, mm-hmm. what that's what I'm happy about is because you're finding different ways to like, okay, we, this is what we want to do. Let's find what the technology we have here and the, and the things we can do. Let's find ways to make it work. And then mm-hmm. eventually things will start to open back up and then it'll be able to go back to where, um, it'll, uh, it'll be somewhat that sense of where it was before, but different. Yeah. And that's the way life is. It's exactly. always something like it was before, but different as every day goes by. Sometimes the changes are so minute. You don't notice them. Unlike this past year where the changes have been so dramatic that everybody's noticing them, you know, and, and, and it happens throughout history. Yeah. Now you're not just, you're not just talented in acting. You, you seem to be uh, the old term, the jack of all trades. You, you play <laughs> musical instruments, you sing, you dance. You, you're, you're like a one person show. You could do it all. <laughs> so you, you can play what the guitar, piano. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when you started those? I, um, yeah, all, all of those talents I, I acquired just growing up. And I was very lucky to have parents that were very, very supportive of all my interests. Um, Cause just being a performer and being, you know, young, I was like, Oh, I want to do this. Now I want to do that. Oh, now I want to, you know, and my parents were like, okay, now she wants to play the guitar. Now she wants to play the piano. Now she wants to do this. Um, so I was thankful to have that support. And um, yeah, I, I started just at a, really young age. And I think my biggest thing was I wanted to be a triple threat. I had it. I saw Sutton Foster in Thoroughly Modern Millie when I was a kid. And I just said, I want to be a triple threat. Whatever gets me there, I'm going to do. 
And then in terms of like the musical instruments, I picked up piano so that I could learn to read music. Um, then I developed an interesting guitar. And then what was nice about it was playing, um, yeah, playing both of those instruments really felt like it was more an art for me that I didn't had that I didn't feel I had to broadcast to everybody and that I had to now it's kind of become that because it's a skill. So it is something that I do kind of have to, you know, publicize and let people know. But um, for a while, it was really nice. It was like something I would do to unwind. And it didn't feel like, feel like work, you know, um, it was a nice outlet. And it, it still is. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting when that when that shift happened. And, you know, I would get a casting director say, Oh, you know how to play guitar? Can you come in and like, do? and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I can. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it's, it was interesting. Um, and then for dance, uh, I studied ballet for a long time. Um, that's probably my strong, well, ballet and tap are my strongest tap is my favorite. Um, I love to tap dance and, um, I did, I went to like a bunch of dance competitions as a kid tapping. Um, it's my favorite, uh, and yeah, actually, it's definitely the one that I do best. So, yeah. Speaking of tap dance, then, what are some of your, who's one of your, two of your favorite tap dancers that people can see like on film, you know, or through like, they could find on YouTube or whatever from the past? Yeah. Um, so I love, I mean, of course, Gene Kelly, but um, my top is Gregory Hines. I am, I, adore Gregory Hines and his work. I love, I love watching Gregory Hines perform, you know, and one of my favorite mm -hmm. things, they did a tribute to Sammy Davis jr. And you can find this yeah. on YouTube. I don't know if you've probably seen it. And, uh, but for yep, those that I haven't have. seen it, this is on YouTube where he's doing this dance thing. And then he brings Sammy Davis jr. Up from the audience. He puts the shoes on him, brings yep. him up. And this is, this is not long before Sammy Davis jr passed away and mm -hmm. he goes up there and sammy davis jr who'd been tap dancing since he was i don't know four or five years old i mean his whole life an awesome dancer awesome you talk about the triple threat um sammy davis yeah. jr and then he goes up there and just shows those moves and you can just see gregory hines love for this man for this performer this art that this artist that he's seen growing up himself and that helped mold him into the performer is, it was just, Oh, it's just so touching. It's fantastic. That's one of my favorite performances too. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we, we could talk about those two gentlemen and Gene Kelly and all these other great tap dancing, but uh, I, will, I will say this um, for dancing and showmanship. One of my favorite films and favorite performers in it is James Cagney and Yankee doodle dandy. Oh yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's a great one. It's been ages since I've seen that movie, but yeah, no, that is a great one. Yeah. And that one was, he had to fight for it to get made and do that. And it's just one of these, I don't know. It's just the, the performance he puts into it is just, you can tell mm -hmm. again, the love Yeah, that was, and, and a lot of people think of James Cagney as this tough guy gangster. And here he is playing a showman, you know, George M. Cohen. Yeah. And going through all the all the stuff, it's just it's just a, an awesome awesome picture. One day we'll do it as a review in one of our um, episodes, and I'm looking forward to that one because that's one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah, that would be great. I love that. Now, in Pace University, which um, if yes. you can give some people some background information that don't are not familiar with Pace, because we have listeners from all across the world, so it's. Um, what is Pace University? So Pace University is uh, the school where I met Joshua Kennedy. Um, that is where I did most of my acting training. Um, not actually, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of my acting training. Uh, and it's a wonderful school. They have a great performing arts program. Anybody out there that's learning that wants that wants to get into this profession, they're definitely one of the best. Um, and yeah, it was a great experience, and I met. Josh Kennedy there. So, yeah. And, and Pace University is located in? In lower Manhattan, New York, New York. 
That way, that way our listeners in New Zealand will know what we're talking about so they don't have to Google it and that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you, 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 met, you met Joshua Kennedy, who's a, a, a very good friend of the show. He's done many re- movie reviews with us, and um, we've interviewed him and interviewed um, a, a, one, at least one of his films at this point, poss- uh, possibly another film down the road that we'll talk about in a minute that we'll probably be doing a review of. Uh, what, what was it like when you met Joshua Kennedy? I don't, I don't know if you both graduated at the same time or started at the same time. I don't know what the um, the year difference in school was. Yeah, we uh, were just a semester off each other um, in terms of graduating. But I met him my freshman year, and he was it was so interesting because he was just somebody who – was so incredibly passionate about film and just was always creating, always looking to create. And, um, he approached me, he just approached me and said, Hey, I'm doing this movie. I want you to be in it. Um, and he was like that with, I, it felt like Pace university and him having, you know, he could run, you know, go through the performing arts department, see all these actors run into all these people. I mean, it was like a field day for him where he'd see somebody you know, and be that, that person, that's the person that I want to play this part. Um, he had a very clear vision in his head, um, about, about all of his casting. Uh, and that's how that started. He just approached me. Um, and I ended up not being able to do that first movie he asked me to do, um, because I had, I, I had another show that was conflicting that I had in the theater department. Um, so I wasn't able to do that first film and I believe it was, um, Oh, I think it might've been the menace with, um, the menace with five arms. I might've gotten that title wrong. Um, it was a movie that ended up getting produced. Um, yeah, a while, a while back. Um, but yeah, that's how I met him. Yeah. I met Josh in, um, a couple different conventions and then him and I developed a friendship, you know, um, virtually and then talking to each other on the phone and through the show and, he is just a phenomenal young man. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but he won a lifetime achievement award two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's done quite a lot. And uh, yeah, I guess the, my big movie that I did there, well, there were two. Um, the, the first one I did was Slave Girls on the Moon. Uh, and that was really fun to, to shoot. And then also uh, Dracula, which, um, was filmed actually my old apartment. A lot of it was. So, uh, yeah, was also, um, scenic or, you know, provided the set as well as acted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. And just seeing his, yeah, his creativity and what he can make with no money, no budget, just the, I mean, handheld items, um, I think is amazing. And I remember for airline 79, when he shot that at pace, um, he turned an entire dorm room into an airplane and you never would guess like watching the movie. There's no way that you would guess that there's like a bed on the other side of that <laughs> wall. And like, you know what I mean? It's really remarkable what he can do. I think sometimes it's, um, he's, he's like the MacGyver of films. Yeah. You give him a yeah. Swiss army knife and, and, and some duct tape and, and he can next thing, you know, he has the Taj Mahal. I don't know. It's like, he could just, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. At least you'll believe in film. Yeah. At least you'll believe in film. No. Yeah. Now, speaking of Slave Girls on the Moon, you played the lead. Uh, what was it Chloe? Yes. Um, Trustcott. Uh, Trustcott. Mm-hmm. So, so what was it like doing? I mean, I know, I know. The title just rolls off your tongue. It's like it's like Slave Girls on the Moon. I mean, people were just probably thinking, "What kind of movie was this?" So, what give give them like the the Reader's Digest the the synopsis. Like anybody knows what Reader Digest is anymore, but the, you know, a brief synopsis. <laughs> I, it's funny because when this shot, um, Orange Is the New Black was a big show that was um, pretty popular at the time. So my like two set like one sentence you know, word that I would, or thing that I would always tell people when they asked about it was it's like orange is a new black, but on the moon. <laughs> Cause it felt a lot, a lot like that. Um, where you have all these women in this prison and like, there's, and there's like aliens as you know, the, um, the guards and whatnot. 
and they're all trying to like figure, you know, survive. Um, also orchestrating this huge prison break. Um, it was just, yeah, it was really, that was the best way I could, I could describe it. Uh, but it was really fun to shoot. Um, and I thought it was pretty funny, you know, like when it came out, I was like, this is actually a pretty, a pretty funny movie. (laughs) Yeah, it is funny. And it has time travel involved with it. Um, a robot, a monster that you don't, that's kind of seen mostly off screen, but it's a, and, but yeah, I never thought of Orange is the New Black until you said that. And I'm just like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, you know, with how it, the dynamics went down. And, um, and and again, with no budget at all, you know, um, um, yeah. I, I, I'm guessing that your spaceship was a shower or something like that. You know, it, it looked like with the tiles. <laughs> it was. And the buttons were like um, muffin cupcake tins. I mean, it's just amazing what he was able, what he was able to do. Yeah. I'll tell you if one day he'll actually have a real budget and it'll be, I'm going to, we're all going to be blown away when he actually has a lot of money to utilize and and get real locations and other things. It'll be, it will just be like, Whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But no, that, that it was, it was pretty funny. I mean, I, for those wanting those wanting to watch it, it is available on um, oldies.com. You can buy it. it, it um, it's like seven dollars, six ninety five, something like that. It's it, it's very inexpensive. Yep. But you also worked with it. Um, let's see, Devin Dunn was your um, I guess the one person you were going out to the, out to rescue. You know, mm-hmm. Genevieve yeah. Genevieve Fonda. What a name! I, mm-hmm. It's like. I don't know where I, there must be a history to that name. I got to ask Joshua about, you know, like how he came up with it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was great working with her. That was, um, that was my first movie that I did with her. Um, I think it was, yeah. Um, and that was the first time too, cause she and I were in the same department. Um, but that was the first time I felt like we really actually had got to act together in something. Um, yeah, no, it was, very fun. Great to work with her. Yeah. And one point in the scene, when you were um, in the movie, when you were taking out one of the bad guys, I don't want to, I don't want to give away like that, but you got covered with a whole bunch of gloop for lack of a better word, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. What in the world was it like filming that scene? Cause it seemed like it just kept coming. Like they just kept splattering it on you and splattering it on you. <laughs> It was, uh, that was a concoction. It was cold Dunkin' Donuts coffee with cream and then flour. (laughs) It was quite the concoction. And I remember after shooting that, having to walk home and I had like, just like a helmet of like (laughs) coffee and crap just all over my head. Um, yeah, it was, that was pretty, that was pretty funny. You had to walk home before you could take a shower for all that stuff. Oh man. I did. Well, <laughs> my, my dorm wasn't too far either. So it was kind of like, am I going to search the entire university for a face shower? Or am I just going to walk to my dorm? So I was kind of like, at a, you know, in a weird spot. And I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll brave New York city with hair like this and coffee dripping down my face. And I was like, it's New York. You see everything. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, I probably a lot of people didn't even give you a second glance. They're like, "Oh, she's one of you." Know. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're like, "She must be a Starbucks worker," and the cappuccino machine exploded or something. I don't know. She had a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> that could be you a know. movie in itself, you know? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Madeline's very, very bad, bad day at the Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, and then you said you did Dracula 2015 AD, which I assume was filmed in 2015. Yep. It was. (laughs) And you played, um, Diana and you were one of the the victims of Count Dracula. (laughs) Yes. Victims turned vampire. (laughs) Yep. So what was it like working in a, in a Dracula picture? I mean, you know, it's, it's, 
it's not many people that get to play in a in a, a, a Dracula movie. There, you know, there's lots of them, but there's not that many where everybody's got gotten to be in them. Yeah, um, that was great because that felt like that was really kind of my first like horror, scary you know, uh, scary movie I did. So it was really fun to um, learn the beats of that um, and kind of roll with that as an actor. Uh, yeah, and the cast for that was just great. We all had so much fun. It was just a really great group of people. I felt like, um, you know, a lot of us too were kind of like the uh, mystery machine gang a little bit. You know, we kind of had a lot of that going on screen. Um, and it definitely to the same off screen. Like, I felt like, you know, we just had so much fun filming together. Um, I'm sure Josh has like a lot of great takes of, of all of us and stuff. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was really, it was really fun. Uh, and first time too, I got to put on things. I had never done anything like that before. So that was, that was fun. Yeah, that's right. You got, you got to be, uh, uh, you got to be good and evil in the same movie. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, were you familiar with the source movie that he was like um, inspired by? Have you seen Dracula 1972 AD? prior to this i had it no i haven't i had seen um yeah prior i had i had seen uh, like a brom strokers and stuff version but no i had not seen the 1972 yeah at the time Mm -hmm. have you seen it since since um i did terrible i tried watching it but i was exhausted and i ended up falling asleep within like the first few minutes um, so, but I, I tried, I did, it was just a, it was a long day, you know? Yeah. I've had that with some films where you, you, you go into it and you're just, you might be sick or exhausted and you're putting it in and it just, boom, you're out. And it could be the yep. medicine. It could be like you said, fatigue. And I try not to, to hold it against the film because some, you have to be an active audience member in order to really give the work it's, it um, the best shot, you know, if you're coming in already half out of it, then it's, it's, it doesn't take much to push you over. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I felt too. I felt that I was like, I, I, I miss, you know, I got to give that again, <laughs> give that another go. Cause yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we know Joshua's going to listen to this and he'll be, he'll be shaking his head, you know, I know. <laughs> so upset. <laughs> <laughs> cause, cause he is, he loves his hammer horror movies. So it's, it's, uh, Oh yeah. And, and yep. now, one of your talents that we forgot to mention besides dancing, besides playing musical instruments, besides acting horseback riding. <laughs> and that led yeah. probably to this next film, which is the one that just came out earlier this year, cowgirls versus pterodactyls, which is available on Amazon prime. And also you can, I'll put the link in the show notes. You can also buy the Blu-ray of it, which has a 50 minute behind the scenes version uh, for those listeners that want to follow along. But so what was it like doing cowgirls versus pterodactyls? That was uh, definitely my favorite that I've shot. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, um, it was just great to spend, to work on a, on a movie for, you know, you know, just that's your job. That's what you're doing. Cause you know, for slave girls and Dracula, we filmed that in between our classes and in between, you know, it felt like very much like we were still students. Um, even though the movies did great after it just, it was, it felt like cowgirls really felt like, okay, like now we're grown ups and we're doing this. <laughs> we're actually doing this, you know? Um, so that was really, that was really great. And getting to go down to Texas and see McAllen for the first time. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. And, uh, just the, you know, getting into that routine every day of, um, getting hair and makeup done, going to set, um, shooting all day. We were exhausted by the end of the day, but, uh, it was a really, really great experience. Yeah. And for those that see the behind the scenes, you can see that as the week goes on, they're, they're, it's almost like a little daily thing with them. You can see the fatigue starting to set in with the actors, the cowgirls, at the end at the end of it. But it never shows up at all in the work, you know. Which is, the, you know, obviously, yeah. like you said, you leave that stuff 
behind when you when you when you turn on the lights or they say action it's like time to time to do the magic yep yeah and there's i mean it took me back to my days when i was working at a theater festival in london and that was like just nonstop. and um i remember i was just so fatigued i was so tired i found i slept under a desk for 15 minutes and i like hid myself so that people wouldn't know that i was sleeping but i needed that and um it was similar on cowgirls. There's, I think there's a photo someplace of me. I'm asleep in the driveway and there's a empty, uh, empty bottle of Jack Daniels, like sitting next to me. And like, I swear, like I didn't drink all that. Like that's a prop. I'm just like really tired, <laughs> but it just looks like I just honked out. <laughs> yeah. And, it might, and of course, while you're sleeping, who knows what prop they might, they might've laid that there. It's like, Oh, we'll get her. Let's put the Jack Daniels bottle, take the picture. I mean, it, exactly. so there, there could have been doctored. <laughs> Right. And it was perfect too, because I had my hat over my face and I was in my full, you know, cowgirls costume. Yeah. <laughs> and and for those that aren't familiar with the movie yet, it, um, you play Rebecca Crawford. You are the, 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 the heroine, the hero, the, the, the lead character, the one that sets off on the mission to save Robert. Yes. And I, I think an interesting reversal because Robert is taken by the pterodactyls and Basically, the movie is you getting the other cowgirls together and going to save him from the pterodactyls, which seem to be endless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool to see that, um, of course, after, because that's all stuff that happens in post-production. Um, so, you know, on set, we don't see any of that, and we're interacting with these pterodactyls, and we don't get to see, you know, see them. It's a lot of was a lot of make-believe it was a lot of pretending and a lot of um you know josh pointing oh it's over here now okay now it's over there now it's right there you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious did you get to see at least a drawing or like a picture of what the um, pterodactyls are going to look like you know i don't i'm not sure if, you know, i think it's ryan i can't remember his last name but ryan was doing the stop motion i'm not sure if he had a chance to take a picture or whatever prior so you would know oh so this is what they look like no. Um, yeah, I didn't see anything, any sketch. Um, I did start to see stuff like a horse and post, um, things, you know, Josh would send things to me. Um, but yeah, previously I didn't get to see, see what they would look like, um, especially Terry too, because I, the baby dinosaur that I end up mothering at one point, which, um, that was probably the hardest just because I interacted with Terry the most. Um, so really just, imagining him in whatever capacity I could like in my brain of what a baby pterodactyl would look like. And, you know, you have an idea. I, I mean, I felt like we had a pretty good idea, you know, like we knew what a pterodactyl was. So we were like, all right, it's going to be in this realm. Um, but yeah, no, it was all from imagination. <laughs> oh, I love, I love little Terry, the pterodactyl. That, it, 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 it steals the show almost, you know, when it, it shows up in its scene, just, just like, you know, any little cute little creature, you know, uh, that, that pops yeah. up in the thing. And it's, it's one of those things. And I'm, I'm and the two of your, your character was able to show it is like, Oh, he's such a cute, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. He was very, very cute, very fun to play with too. That, yeah. That and, element. And the movie is to me like a Saturday matinee movie type, you know, where you'd go to the, the old matinees and you would see um, the monsters, you would see the action, and it has the humor going through it with um, narrated by Martine Beswick um, with the humorous mm -hmm. lines, that kind of stuff. Where I like how he, I like how he did it and um, how he set it up, which I know changed from what you filmed to what the end product was. Um, you know, cause, um, I, I was, for those that don't know, I backed it in Indiegogo and, um, one of the things I got was a copy of the, the, the script, you know, after the thing. So, I, so I was able to read the script and see the differences between the finished product and that. And, and, and a lot of things go through those alterations. So I know when you, I don't know if you have, if you've seen the whole finished product, because I know some people don't like to watch themselves in movies. I do. Um, I don't like it, but I force myself to do it um, because that's the only way I'm going to get better, I think, um, and just improve on, 
on my craft, on my skills. So I force myself to, um, I cringe when I do it, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have seen it and it, it was so amazing to see how much it changed. And of course, you know, two years later, um, then knew that knew that was going to happen. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's so interesting from, you know, our film from when we filmed it two years ago and thinking, we have a whole movie together and know there's all these other elements and stuff that come in. And, you know, when I would watch it with, um, I watched it with some friends and the questions, questions I got, Oh, how did this happen? How did this happen? Oh, that was in post. And that was, you know, and I don't know, like, <laughs> you know? So yeah. that was your first time hearing Reber Clark's amazing score. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that, I, yeah, no, really fantastic. Yeah, because I mean that 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 scores when it starts off with that title sequence, it's just like, oh, this this, the 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 the, the, the everything works so well together, you know. To and, and like you said before, what Josh can do so much with so little, and it looks really really good. I know it was only like a few thousand dollar budget. Um, mm-hmm. you can't even get a used car probably for the amount of money he spent on this movie and. Yet he was able to get really good acting. Acting, um, the sets looked nice. You know, I mean, behind the scenes, we actually got to see what the sets were actually. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> and, 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 you know that kind of thing, and 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 of course the score. It's 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 really it's really nice. But you got to work with two other young actors in the cowgirls part. One of which you've acted with before, at least. Um, I'm not sure if you acted with both of them before, but I know of Carmen. You know, she played Bunny mm-hmm. Parker. Um, well, and um, then of course you had um, Haley. Haley, I'm sorry, Haley Zega, Zaga, uh, Zaga, Zaga, and she played Debbie Dukes. What was it like? Because you you were the team. That was your team. Mm-hmm. And we really felt that way um, on set, and kind of similar to what I talked about with where we felt like the mystery team or the mystery machine squad. Um, and Dracula, we really felt like the three, um, the three dynamic, uh, I want to say dynamic duo, but it's a trio. Um, and yeah, we got, we definitely got really close during, during the process. And it was just really great to, to work with them. Um, they're also Pace, uh, Pace alumni as well. So, uh, we had a lot of that in common and, uh, it was really fun to, to shoot and to kind of have like that banter on screen. And it was really, really a blast. And um, with the three of you working with Josh, I know um, how much input did you guys have into your characters? Was it pretty much, did you have like a little bit, a a little, a a little more, a lot, or not really much at all? I think we had, um, we pretty much had control over what we, yeah, how we wanted to portray our um, our characters. And the other thing too, is that Josh wrote such a great script, um, so that it's, and that's the best part of, for an actor, at least in my opinion, when you have a good script, it makes my life a lot easier, you know? Um, so I already have, it was already mapped out for me on who this person was. So it was really easy for me to, um, to do that, you know, and for Josh to, you know, have the vision that he wanted cause he mapped it all out. Um, and, you know, of course, like, you know, working and working with him, you know, there's moments and stuff where, you know, he wants to tweak things and wants then wants things like a certain way. So, but we've, we've worked with him for so long and for so many movies, it's one of those things where we just really know how to, what they're getting at, what, you know, what their like creative language is. Um, so it made it, made it very seamless to work together. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the advantages of Josh has about using the same people over and over is you, you, everybody when you have that certain acting troupe type aspect going yeah. on, everybody starts to you know what their strengths and weaknesses are, and you, and you can help develop those weaknesses that are no longer as weak or strong or become strengths, and then uh, you can also work right the work to the strengths. So everybody, because everybody wants to make everybody look good. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Exactly. There's one person that nobody really talks about in Joshua Kennedy's movies that seems to be this behind the scenes force, Julian Flores. It, 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 you yeah. know, he seems to be doing a little bit of everything. He's like the um, 
um, acting, production. I mean, he seems to be like Josh's right hand man, so to speak. I mean, I don't know whatever, but what what is it like with the with him on the production? Am I correct with my um, guessing? Absolutely. Uh, Julian was uh, running like crazy during <laughs> during all of this. He had his hand in everything. Um, and yeah, very much like Josh's right-hand man. And I remember all of us on set were just amazed at everything he was doing. Um, it was almost like, and I don't want to say like production assistant because like he was doing like so much more than, but it was almost like you take all the PAs that are usually on, on set and it's just Julian. <laughs> um, and not only just Julian, but also like the, the sound people, the, you know, like he was just taking on so many hats, so many jobs. Um, yeah. And then ended up act and was acting in it and was in the film. Uh, but I love Julian's, I, I loved working with Julian. He's just such a positive person. And even though he had all this stuff going on, it was like, he wasn't frazzled, never let it, you know, I never saw, never saw him yawn, like never saw like a tired, you know, look on his face. He was just so happy to be there. And I, I think genuinely just had a lot of fun. Like, you know, we all did. So, um, yeah, he's fantastic to work with. Maybe Josh should give him a cape, cape and call him super PA, you know, it's just, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he developed, maybe he has a, a maybe he um, cloned him and there's, and there's like multiple Julians. You just don't know it. That there has to be, because I was surprised. I never saw him on. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and there are people that are like that. They're able to keep the energy level up. They know that the energy they'll, they'll throw their energy out to everybody else to keep everybody more, engaged and alive. And I guess he's just one of those types of people who just feels the sense of the room. And it's like, no, no, I got to, I got to project out this energy to help elevate everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now there's one other person that you acted with in the movie and that was the, your, the one who played your husband, Robert, um, Jonathan, mm -hmm. um, Tama, to me is Tamaz. How do you say his last name? Um, I actually don't know. Um, and it's in the movie. T-A-M-E-Z. I, I did it. I, yeah. We're sorry, Jonathan, if we messed up your name. It's just, we're sorry. But I, I think. So they, sorry, I, think, I know. I, Jonathan and I were on first name basis. We were married, but it was very much first name basis. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be surprised if we knew my last name because I, yeah, it was always Jonathan on set. <laughs> so what was it like working with him? It was great. Uh, he's a fantastic actor. Um, it was really, really, and not just Jonathan, but it was really amazing to um, work with the actors in the area in McAllen um, and just kind of like getting to really getting to interact with the talent there. Um, and just, I was super, super happy, like proud, like not proud, but I don't know how to say this. Um, yeah. I was just like super honored to get to work with them um, and then just have, yeah, I get a feel for what the, what the movie and the art scene was there. Um, and Jonathan was fantastic to work with. So easy. And, you know, that's such a hard thing as actors. It's, um, you know, I met him first day of set, you know, when we're doing the read through and I, Oh, hi. Yep. Now we're going to be married on screen. <laughs> and, um, it was just so, it was so seamless. Um, yeah, really fantastic. Really, really easy. Yeah. And for those again haven't seen the movie, it, it it's really it's a fun movie, it, it, it you know, and it's mm -hmm. it's one of those things you're, you'll come out with a smile on your face afterwards, and 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 I think that's the one of the things, like as you said earlier, Sophie's Choice is a different kind of movie, and I talked about like Twelve Angry Men, and some of these some movies are totally different of what vibe they'll leave you with. On the other hand, a lot of people, I think the one of the overwhelming most majority popular films are ones that leave you happy and smiling and. You know, and, and, and I think this is one of those types of films that would do that for you. Actually, I think all three of the films that we mentioned, you know, are going to leave you in a good state afterwards, you know, where, where you, you where you've enjoyed that experience as an audience member. Mm -hmm. 
Are you doing anything else in the future with Josh? Because he seems to always have, I don't know, like a, like a million projects in the can, you know, or working, you know, go, he's always percolating with ideas. And I know he's got a lot of films backlogged because of um, the lockdown situation that he's got some work on, but not all of them, but anything coming up with him? Um, right now, no. Um, yeah, ha- not too much coming up right now. I'm not sure what he has backlogged just because, you know, with COVID, everything, um, everything's changed. He did reach out to me about a role, but I think it was, I think it was like just before COVID. Um, so I don't know what's going on, um, with that, but, uh, yeah, I guess I'm uh, for at least for me, I'm going to be a nine to five, the musical, um, it got postponed because of COVID. So that's, the next thing that I'll be doing um, in the fall. So if I do work with Josh again, it'll probably be not till uh, next year. And nine to find a musical. You're playing what role? I'm playing Kathy. Um, she's a, she's a, a smaller role, but she's really fun. She's really spunky. She gives uh, the three main, the three main women, a lot of attitude and a lot of, a lot of grief at times. So <laughs> I'm excited to play it. And that, that's the key thing. If, if you're excited with the role, then you're going to be able to bring um, a, a good a good performance out of it. We, sometimes some people, I hate to say it, some, some people look at roles, oh, this is below me or beneath me. And I think that's the wrong attitude. Every role is an important role. And if you, if you give your mm-hmm. all, people notice it. And I think if you look at some great actors, like Ernest Borgnine, for instance, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he'll do mm-hmm. he'll do some movies that are definitely not works of art so to speak but you'll look at his performance and you always be like well that was a really good performance because he knows people are going to look at it and he's a professional actor and i think that's what you know yeah. that's the key thing yeah and especially too in this climate i mean it's so hard to for actors there's so many there's so many actors out there and not enough jobs so to be hired to do something and to just be hired and contracted to do what you love to do. It's like, that's, that's the dream, you know, <laughs> that's the key. So Madeline, how can people follow you to find out more about what you have coming up? You know, cause you have these, um, um, cabaret type performances that you're doing and other stuff. What are, what are some avenues that people can learn more about it? Yeah. So, um, you can go to my website, which is just www.madelinewiley.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Madeline Wiley. Uh, and yeah, you can follow. That's where I have a lot of my updates, um, for my upcoming cabarets and stuff that are happening. That's all through my production company called Scantic River Productions. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Scantic River Productions. And our website is www.scanticriver.com. Uh, so we'll be putting all sorts of updates and stuff on there. And um, yeah, I'm singing in it. Also a bunch of other really, really great talent will be there too. Um, we're going to be hosting a big uh, telethon coming up uh, in, in March, end of March. Um, and we're going to also have some comedians on for that. So it's going to be, it's going to be a really fun time. Oh, it, sound, it sounds like it will be. And um, I want to thank you for taking time to allow me to interview you our audience and um, help to help promote cowgirls versus pterodactyls. Cause again, really good movie. Your performance in it is excellent as, as the, the hero of the movie, you know, it's just going through and doing all the stuff. And, and basically it's your, it's your journey from school marm to tough girl or tough ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, this is such a great opportunity to get to meet you and talk with you and, um, interview for your show. And yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you loved the movie. Um, I had a blast shooting it. It was a great time and I'm pretty proud of it too. So thank thank you. I'm so glad that other people are enjoying it as well. Yeah. I've, I've seen words. A lot of people are liking it, um, you know, and, 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 and people mm-hmm. are, are understanding exactly what it is and, and how it's just a, a loving homage to those, those Saturday matinee type movies that, that would yeah. from back in the day. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And everybody join us next week, next episode when we'll be do, either doing a movie review or another interview. Thank you all for listening in. And again, feel free to follow Madeline on um, the links I'll put in the show notes below. See y'all next time. Bye.